Small Town Missing. I'm Tom. I'm Will. And I'm Rhonda. And on today's episode, sorry, but we're still laughing about the test run we just did. I know. I just had like a random ASMR session over here, y'all. Yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> we wanted to keep it in for you. We really did. But uh, I'm putting my foot down. Yeah. yeah she no. said no. Mm-hmm. She said we couldn't keep Listen, it. Listen, it's very soon after Mother's Day. We got we to gotta keep that in mind as well. Like, you like know? three days. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Which my brother decided to show me up again. I liked what I'm you got. I'm happy about it. Listen, the, the yellow roses were beautiful. Yeah, I I got mom yellow roses, and my brother decides to get her this. He, not not only does he get her a very very nice cake, he sends food platters from <laughs> Publix. <laughs> food platters. Yes, it was Sna- a win for me. It Sna- was snacky type foods, everything that she loves, Aww. cheeses, meats, uh, san- little tiny sandwiches. Like he said, her. Do you have a one upper? Oh, 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 do I have one upper? Yes. My brother is very good at that. We love you. We love you, though. I, oh, I do love my brother, but yeah. And, and considering he got this sent to her while he's living in Tampa, <laughs> he had it ordered to deliver to her on Mother's Day morning. I love that. Rhonda's just like, well, you know what that means? You just got to try harder. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. And she'll be there to there accept you go, it all. Uh-huh. <clears throat> love you, you, bro. Uh-huh. <laughs> Plotting. Oh, whatever. He's a great guy. Great guy. I'm excited, though. So before I'll kind of preface this a little bit, like, uh, I guess this is going to be similar, Rhonda, to Melba a little bit. Like, I kind of researched a little case for you in a way. Uh, and so I'm excited for you to, to narrate it for me. Uh, yeah, and I appreciate it, Will. I mean, you've done a great job here. I was reading through all of your notes, and it looks really good. I don't Very know. Very interesting. I, I, I feel like uh, I've, I've looked at your notes before and mine pale in comparison, but I tried. I really did. Uh, you did a great job. Uh, I will throw something out here because this is an old case. And uh, obviously, and we'll start the show notes, or I'll, we'll start the podcast here in just a second yes, as far yes, as yes. the detail. But I also have an old case that I have not pulled everything together on. I'm so excited. I've and, heard a little bit. Yeah, and I may be doing that here in the not-too-distant future because it's also interesting like this. Well, and you, you would never know, too. Like, I didn't know before I, I researched the case that we're about to talk about that this was even, and like, I didn't even know we had active cases that were this old apparently yeah because this one is about 100 years old yes (laughs) i think they said the uh, person might be 160 years old at this point (laughs) yeah apparently this person was born before the civil war started so yeah it's that is to me it's crazy enough because like i researched it too i was like is this really an active case and and i think that some of this um this information is in namus which is active because i remember asking an agent or you know uh, affiliated with namus about miss ruth's case our first episode and they said they couldn't divulge any information because they were still pursuing it so i'm assuming they're still pursuing this case in some capacity that is interesting yeah the case i'm thinking about that i I may do here in the future is uh, an old case from the 19 prior to world war one i, I oh believe and it is but it is no longer an active no case. no longer active i which yeah. i don't see why this one's still honestly yeah, active kind of surprising well are we ready to get started i'm Thomas? ready are you ready Mr. producer are we ready? sounds good to me producer man all right well i will dive in this is the disappearance of marvin clark oh so it's so, will, so cool so cool. will to thank for all of his wonderful research well Rhonda too Rhonda too all right, today's case is really one for the history books, as we said. Some sources distinguish this as the oldest active missing persons case. Oh, it, it, the idea of like actually having a case that's like, like you said, like I, I think it was 1920s when this happened and like right. we're still mm-hmm. pursuing it. That's so amazingly awesome to me. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I know other cases may have that distinction as well, but this, oh, just know that this is one of them. Uh, this case took place in the 1920s, like Will said. It must be said that some of the facts surrounding it are definitely a little fuzzy. Yeah, obviously. Mo- very people, much so. Yeah. For sure. I mean, not everybody was running around with a cell phone to say, <laughs> not, hey, we saw Marvin, you know, <laughs> down at the bus stop yeah, the other day, thing. snapped a few shots. And, hey, Medea got a Madea picture had, with... Uh, Rosa. Yeah, with Rosa Park. Uh, well, Liz, if, if Medea got a picture with Rosa, I think somebody On herself, have. on her iPhone. Well, I mean. it's funny, too. I just imagine <laughs> if somebody did snap a picture of Marvin, I just get that really funny idea of, like, an 1800s photographer having to set up that little thing that you held. Yeah, and, you hold know, still. Yeah, it's an whole still and you have all that crap but i don't know yeah like like you said like i mean this wasn't a particular this wasn't a time where cell phones were adequately you know stocked everywhere i suppose absolutely uh the exact birth year of marvin a clark has been called into question over the years according to nicole henry of medium.com however marvin was born around 1852 in marion county iowa to New York parents. Yes. And according to this, Will, you said you weren't able to uncover much about his adolescence, but he apparently was very highly educated, graduating from two different universities. Yeah, and really. I, I tried kind of looking for some more info ab- about that. Um, I use, I think you've mentioned before, Rhonda, that you use um, newspapers.com a little bit. Yeah. And um, I tried to look for like kind of more info about him. Some of the articles were kind of, even if they were in differing publications it was kind of the same article i'm not sure you know why that was but yeah a lot of it just wasn't really known much about his early life it was mostly just about the case whenever they talked about it interesting yeah well i you know other than maybe local the local community knowing him there's probably no reason really for it to be nationwide that's true I, i don't think it was even probably considered a nationwide case at the time when you know potentially i guess it could have been and it wasn't like there was a nightly news app <laughs> that you could like you know deliver yeah. your stuff to so you know I, I bet having a case like be na- nationwide was a big deal back then oh i would think so so he moved to oregon with his wife mary as early as 1910 the couple had four children one of which was named sydney who's pretty central to this story yep in the 1910 census, the records say that Marvin resided in the community of Holbrook and even served as town marshal in Linton, a district that later became Portland, Oregon, With the uh, and that's where the majority of the story takes place. Yes, and um, it's weird, too, like, you know, um, and, and I'm glad you actually said something about him being a marshal, too, because we'll mention it a little bit later. I think, like, his legacy and, like, history of being a marshal for his little, you know, local town and stuff could have played a role in his disappearance, potentially. Yeah. Oh, I would say. I mean, that definitely sheds a different light on it. It does. Mm-hmm. Some sources indicate that Marvin was in his early 60s when he vanished uh, while taking a stagecoach ride to his Portland doctor in 1920. Okay, now I'm going to have to take a look at that. I didn't realize we had stagecoaches in 1920. <laughs> That's what I saw. I didn't realize we did either, honestly. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I mean, 1920. I mean, that is way back. That's 102 years ago. Roaring 20s, you know, getting, yeah. getting started. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, maybe they did. Certainly out west. I'm not really sure. I, I don't I know. I, you know, I don't know how affluent or whatever. I mean, was that? I, I guess that would have been a big deal to for back then. You know, for travel purposes and stuff like that. You know, that was probably all the all the rage. But I didn't know when it started. But yeah, that's what one of the articles said. Like potentially like 1920 ish area. Yeah, yeah. Well, contemporary articles, uh, especially one accessed from a 2014 article in Corvellis. Gazette Times indicate that Clark was in his mid-70s and went missing on a bus trip in 1926 while on the way to visit his daughter, Sidney McDougall, 
in Portland. Yeah. And this is on October 30th, uh, 1926. Okay, so that's a big difference. That's six years difference. Yeah, I don't I don't know why the discrepancy in that. And I think I even accessed, uh, one of the articles had a particular website that you could go to. I don't know if that website is still in use. That was a 2014 article. I did look up a database where it gave the info that I just mentioned that he was in his 60s and disappeared in like 1920. But also like a lot of the videos and articles on him said, no, 1926 and he was visiting his daughter. So there is, just to let y'all know, I'm sure the truth is in the middle somewhere, maybe. Yeah, well, of course, it's been such a long time ago. We know that there's going to be multiple versions on the story that yeah. exists out there. Mm-hmm. All right. A search for Marvin began two days later when his wife called Sydney and learned that he had never completed the trip to Sydney's Portland home. Now, Sydney was surprised to hear that her father was going to visit because she hadn't been expecting him. And I believe one article had indicated that he had recently visited within the last week or so. Yeah. And I'm not sure if this would have been out of character for him to to drop by unexpected as aspects of uh, Martin's health that we'll describe shortly may answer this question. Yeah, well, because and, and I'll let you kind of go into the health, but health stuff that we'll, you know, talk about, Rhonda. But, you know, um, from what I've gathered, I would feel as if it would be easier for him to just make that trip to Sydney's without having to make the trip home because you'll kind of learn about his difficulties with like mobility and stuff in a little bit. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, moving on. His movements could apparently be traced to a terminal in downtown Portland near Sydney's home. A hundred dollar reward, which is $1,300 in today's money. $1,300? Is that really? Yeah, apparently that's what it said. Uh, it was posted for information on Marvin's disappearance by the family. But from what I can tell, this money was never claimed. Uh, the family was worried for Marvin's safety at the time because Marvin had apparently suffered a stroke and, as you yeah. alluded to there, Will, had partial paralysis on his right side, which he reported, and he reportedly used a cane and possessed a halting gait that, you know, you were, I'm sure made it difficult for him to, to walk. Yeah, and traverse the world in like a day-by-day basis. I mean, I, I remember when I was a nurse and stuff, like taking care of previous patients that had, you know, we call them CVAs, but, you know, they'll, they they aren't able to use their uh, arms and stuff well and, and the, you know, affected limbs and stuff. Like, you're going to have to, you know, learn how to traverse the world in a new way, and especially with him having a cane, I'm sure it was like a lot of stress on him. Yeah, and if his doctor was near Sydney's home, then that per- makes perfect sense that yeah. he would stay with Sydney. Until his visit was over with the doctor. Yeah, and I think um, that YouTube video that I accessed basically said that I think it could be stated that his doctor would have been around the Portland area at the time. So maybe that's what Martin thought. Like he just stopped by to Sydney's house like after his appointment maybe. But I don't I don't know if he ever really made it. I've never heard that he actually made it to his doctor. But maybe that w- w- was his plan allegedly. Okay. Now it's safe to say he's probably he was probably a very vulnerable man at the time of his disappearance since he couldn't you know didn't have the use of the arm. Yeah. Uh, the case essentially goes cold for a long time after this, but May tenth, nineteen eighty six, loggers clear cutting an isolated section of Portland discovered uh, remains that looked to be there for nearly half a century. Mm-hmm. Near the remains was a eighteen eighty eight V nickel, a nineteen nineteen penny, a pocket watch, leather shoes wire-rimmed glasses, fraternal order of eagle's pocket knife, 
and four tokens with the inscription D&P. Mm-hmm. One local historian suspected the tokens were from a bar and would have been to use, used to buy food and alcohol at the time. Yeah, I didn't know that they ever had. I mean, do, do bars still do that? I don't think any bars that I've ever been to have been like, oh, here's your food and alcohol tokens. Not that I know mm, No, I'm not aware of that. I don't know. but And also, I tried to look to see if any of that stuff that you know was found surrounding the body would have been Marvin's, potentially. I don't know if he wore glasses. I don't know. You know, it, it was just weird. I was like, well, does this stuff... I couldn't find any anything basically saying that oh yeah the family said this was his but it was found by there so i just wanted to mention it okay yeah most interesting find was a corroded revolver with an expended 32 caliber bullet a single bullet entry was found on the temple of the body skull the suspected manner of death was a suicide but investigators were limited at the time when trying to identify the body. This was before identifying bodies with DNA was common practice. Yeah, I don't think that was like, I think it was like, what, the 90s or so? Like maybe early 2000s when that probably like really saw its increase in, you know, science and stuff? Probably. It hasn't I, been I that long was, ago, actually. I think it was starting to be used in the 80s, but it couldn't, it wasn't. Like infancy. That. Yeah, like in its infancy. Yeah, I think it actually started. I think the first case, if I remember correctly, from forensics was Ooh. the late 90s. Oh, forensics. I missed that class. Did you attend that class? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I, I did take a, I think I took a forensics class in um, college, college at one point. Okay. I, I took one in high school. And I, I think wish. I took one in college, too. I thought I wanted to be a CSI, y'all. You know, I, we missed our calling, Rhonda. <laughs> we did, Will. <laughs> Luckily, a few days later, a woman named Dorothy Willoughby, Marvin's granddaughter, came forward to say that the remains may have been Marvin himself. Mm-hmm. Dorothy had heard stories about her grandfather's disappearance from family members, so she decided to come forward quickly after these remains were found. Uh, Dorothy told investigators that she suspected Marvin had taken his life because he had been depressed over his medical problems. Marvin had also been the town marshal Mm -hmm. for Linton during his lifetime. Yeah. And the section where the body was found was apparently annexed by Portland in the early 20th century. But I think it was in or near the area where Marvin would have worked during his tenure as town marshal. Yeah, so I think I think they were thinking, they're like, okay, so, you know, this is a similar area. It's not out of the realm of possibility that maybe Marvin knows this area. Also that, you know, since he his family knew him and he probably had a lot of qualms about how his life had changed since he had had the stroke. I'm sure that it was like a big deal for him. So maybe I think he had been depressed and the family was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, it could be him. Yeah. Oh, I could imagine. Yeah. I mean, someone who'd been active and could, I could imagine how that a would affect Marshall, you. A town you know, I'm telling a you. stroke. Yeah. A lot of details about this case were difficult to find. Many articles essentially spouted off similar facts, but I did manage to find a good video in the case by a woman named Mary Hallberg yeah. on YouTube. She's great. Yeah. According to Mary's video, Marvin may have been planning to visit his doctor, who apparently was in Portland at the time. Then planned to stay with his daughter Sydney afterwards, which we've already talked yeah, about. Yeah, which we yeah discussed. This is all alleged, but I do expect this would have been easier for Marvin due to his disability. Uh, after Marvin's initial disappearance, people in all Northwest cities were instructed to be on the lookout. I'm like, <laughs> be on the lookout. Like, let's just uh, really, you know. Uh, yeah, she said that in in there too. Like, she put it in quotation. She's like, I'm not exactly sure what this means, but just be on the lookout. Be on the lookout. Her. Okay, question. Was there any mention of dementia or you anything know, like that? There is, uh, coming up, I think that there is a an aspect to the case. If I don't mention it in the notes, I'll mention it. But um, I think that there was supposedly a letter maybe that uh, might have indicated 
stated that Marvin uh, was having some difficulties, you know, uh, I guess, phys- or, emo- or mentally. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. I don't know. if I, I don't think anything would have been diagnosed. But also, like, I don't know mental health was really a thing back then. <laughs> Probably not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, during initial stages of the investigation, some of the family thought that a former enemy of Marvin's during his time as marshal may have targeted the vulnerable man. Yes. Uh, no particular person of interest has ever been mentioned, but I thought it was too important not to mention it at all. In early November, the family apparently received a letter from Marvin postmarked from Bellingham, Washington, some 200 miles away from his last known whereabouts. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, it was like 200 miles away. It was like a month. It was, I think like a week or two, like after he initially disappeared. That's interesting. It's weird. I don't know. But also, like, I don't, I don't know if the contents of the letter were ever really explained upon. I think I saw one thing that the uh, wife had received it, and I think I saw another thing that the son had received, uh, or one son had received the letter. So I'm not sure where the truth is. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, the the word the letter had never been disclosed, but no. uh, looking through this information, it looks like it indicated that his family thought his mind might have been failing. Well, and you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility after a stroke that somebody's mind, you know, isn't what it used to be. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would agree. Doctor Nikki Vance, a forensic anthropologist of the Oregon State Medical Examiner's Office, brought new life to the case after she sent a DNA profile from the remains uncovered in 1986 to the Center for Human Identification at the University of North Texas. Yes. A full DNA profile was achieved, and eventually through the usage of a combination of genealogy databases, maternal and paternal DNA profiles from Marvin's descendants, it was determined that the remains weren't Marvin's That's after so all. That's so sad, y'all. Could you imagine like having your hopes up for that and then like... It's not him, you know, and also like the, they don't know who it is. I, I don't think they ever discovered yeah, who it was. That's kind of sad too. It is sad. I'm like, um, I don't know. It's just like, it, well, if, if that wasn't Marvin, like, I mean, why did he just disappear off the face of the planet? It's so weird. Well, in 1920, it probably wasn't difficult to disappear. Yeah, true. I mean, it's not like you have a, you don't have a tail of, you know, we have electronics in our hand at all times. We're using laptops. We have cell phones. There's cell towers. You know, you're, they're pinging your, you know, cell phone. Everywhere, everywhere you go. I mean, it's it's easy to find people nowadays. Oh yeah, yeah. So at this point in time, Marvin's body hasn't been recovered, and he would actually be over 160 years old. <laughs> I don't think so. we're finding him alive. <clears throat> no chances of that. No, not gonna slim happen. and none. If we do, it'll be big news. Listen, he's Dracula. That's what. Well, I'm, that's what we're getting. Uh, hey, I'm already convinced Paul Rudd's a vampire. Hey, so. it could, maybe he's Marvin. <gasps> he's Marvin. Okay, stop it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's some good news in the story, however. If Marvin's body is ever discovered, his DNA can be compared with familiar supplies that are still uh, that still remain on files in the National Missing and Unidentified Person System. Yeah. And maybe one day the fate of Marvin Clark can be uncovered and yeah. his family can be provided be provided closure. Exactly. And have him and buried. Yeah. His um I think it's his great, great there's a few greats in front of there, but I think it was granddaughter or something. Uh, I think her name is Pam Knowles. I had looked up a 2018 video with her, and it was just kind of her being like, you know, she obviously didn't know Marvin. She had just seen pictures of him and everything. But she's like, you know, it's just so weird. It's like, if I can do anything to help um, to, to have, you know, to have my DNA on profile or something like that, just in case he is ever found, then I'm going to do it. So, you know, you yeah. never know. Maybe she'll help out one day. And, you know, I guess they what they look for the probably the mitochondrial DNA. DNA or yeah. something like that to you know on the maternal side but who knows you know maybe they will find marvin one day 
Maybe. I mean, uh, there's always hope. But that still doesn't explain. What do y'all think happened? Do y'all have any theories at the time? Or? Uh, prob- any number of things. He could have just been uh, making his way there and something could have just happened. Yeah. Okay. There's no telling. Do, do we even know? Okay, he was seen somewhere at a terminal. Yeah. But that was in Portland, right? Yeah. So he made it to Portland. Yep. But we don't know if he made it to his doctor's appointment or we, or we know house. he didn't make it to Sydney's house. Yes. Well, I saw, so there was one thing that said that he, I don't really know how they could link his his whereabouts. I don't know what the process would be to link him to a terminal unless somebody just say, they said that they saw a man fitting his description. Yeah. Um, that could be the only real thing. I mean, as far as we know, I mean, I don't think the doctor ever said anything about seeing him. I mean, obviously, Sydney didn't think that he was going to be coming over there, and he had just had a visit, apparently. So I don't really know. I mean, maybe it was a ruse, and he just decided to go away or, you know, to go somewhere and end his life. I don't I don't know. I mean, it could it could be. But um, I saw one comment that was like, oh, maybe the you know wife did something to him and then just alleged you it. You never know. You never know. I, I, I'm not going to say it. That's all alleged. I all don't speculation. Think, I don't think that she did. But, you know, who's to say? I don't. A million different things could have happened to him. Well, and it could be, too, that maybe someone robbed him, took his wallet, and he's a doe somewhere. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. Yeah. That maybe. But, you know, the thing is now, like, especially because they have those DNA. And I, I'm assuming that they've probably... Um, tested the stuff against like doe network you know type of things yeah so who knows maybe they just never have found his body yet and you know he's just out there somewhere just still waiting to be discovered who knows maybe but you know what i'm thinking is if something like that had happened if he if something happened to him and somehow his wallet was misplaced or they could they didn't have they couldn't identify him yeah and he became a, a john doe yeah back in 1920 the chances that he would have just been buried somewhere are yeah. very oh, high oh my god gathered, i didn't yeah. even think about that I, yeah. i've heard cases we've talked about cases before or like i've heard stuff about cases where yeah if they don't know they'll just bury them on a lot with a whole bunch of other yeah. unidentified bodies yeah and they just put like unknown yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of the times too like i mean i've seen things where they've been unable to recover certain bodies because they forget where they put ones yeah. you know yeah. and i'm just like that's that's scary to say i mean he might be somewhere just right under the noses of somebody who who yeah. put him there you know, you but they they might not not might not know. So who knows? Yeah, very possible. I mean, certainly you go to some of these old cemeteries where they've lost tombstones. Yeah, unless there's some record at a church or somewhere, you would have no idea where yeah. someone might be placed. Well, I mean, can you? I mean, imagine like we have a lot of historical uh, cemeteries kind of around here a little bit, yeah. but I, I don't know who keeps up with them. Like, I don't know. I mean, do are they kept up with? Who knows? Who knows? I, I can tell you, uh, a friend of mine had a family cemetery on her grandfather's land. And I don't know, obviously I don't know what kind of conditions it's in now. Her mother was buried there like 25 years ago. Yes. It, was, it was fine. It was well-maintained. But, you know, if family members move away or, yeah, you know, or, they, or the family happens. dies out, who would take care of no, it? No, I mean, the, the yeah. new family is not going to take care of that plot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you this, like, and I don't know, Thomas, if you remember, I won't say the name, but like we had a local little, you know, baseball field and stuff like that where we had graves on top of the yeah. near the baseball field. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that was kind of creepy. But um, yeah, I don't know who's there. And um, it's just weird, weird no things. Clue. So yeah, hopefully, I mean, maybe they can find him someday and the family can find out exactly what happened or have an idea or at least put him to rest somewhere. Yeah. But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that didn't happen and well, may never be found. It kind of sounds like, you know, Marvin had a plan of some of some kind because maybe he told his wife, Oh, well, I'm going to, you know, um the doctor Sydney's. The, I'm yeah. going to Sydney's. Like I'll be back in a couple days and 
So once he didn't come back, she's like, oh, maybe. And, and you know, if, if they had the inkling of him being depressed, like they're like, oh, well, maybe he was just using that as a facade yeah. or something, you know. But I hope not. But I don't know. It's just speculation. But You never know. Interesting case. Interesting case. It is interesting. And it's good to see that he has grandchildren or great great grandchildren who are interested in finding him yes and yeah. i'm hoping they get the you know some level of closure some level of closure because i saw a picture of him he looked like a nice old grandpa so i like that all right well thank y'all so much for listening catch you next week bye guys bye